0: Today, Psalm 116, verses 1 through 3, and verses 10 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. I love the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me whenever I called upon him. The cords of death entangled me, The grip of the grave took hold of me. I came to grief and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray you, save my life. How shall I repay the Lord for all the good things he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his servants. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant and the child of your handmaid. You have freed me from my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you. O Jerusalem, hallelujah. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Thank you for that reading,
1: Reverend Bell. It was yesterday that I received a phone call with the hard news that one of our dearly and deeply beloved members, Peggy Simpson died. Peggy was a matriarch of Peachtree Christian Church Her and her family helped to build this beautiful congregation, and they love this place and you all so very, very much. It wasn't too long ago that Peggy celebrated her 98th birthday. In fact, it was just before all of our COVID uh, sheltering in place began, and I had the beautiful gift of one last visit with Peggy. When I was sitting with her in the kitchen at the table, I asked Peggy, uh, Peggy, what is the best thing about being 98 years old? She smiled and grinned, and then she said, you know, at 98 years old, people don't expect you to do anything. And then she went on to say in our visit and tell so many wonderful stories. She was clear, she was lucid, and she talked about her love for this place And as soon as I got to the car, I wrote this and the other quote down. She said, I would rather be at my church than anywhere else on earth. This morning, those words from Peggy mean so much more to me as I stand in this place where I know that so many of you long to be in this place. And yet we are gathered even disparately online to say that what we're doing and the words of faithfulness The lives and faithfulness that has gone before us, it matters, and we celebrate Peggy and so many other saints, and we look forward to the time and the day when we can be back together again in this place. You please join with me in prayer. Father, who holds all life and all things together in your care, even now, stir our hearts to good deeds quiet and calm our worries, our fears, and our anxieties. May we know on this day and in this hour that you are a God who hears us. And may we, with the psalmist in the end, be able to say, Alleluia, that you are to be praised. Shape us, we pray. May these words in the meditations of all of our hearts bring honor and glory to you. It's in Christ that we pray in great thanksgiving, even and especially now. Amen. The English philosopher Francis Bacon once famously argued that children are afraid to go into the dark. For Bacon, and perhaps for most children who cannot sleep without a nightlight, the darkness represented the unknown. Yes, in the imaginations of children, the unknown can be unsettling, frightening, and sometimes even terrifying. The unknown is the terrain where unanswered questions roam free in our minds, playing havoc on all the scenarios and quiet sirens that plague us and keep us awake, like how long and when? and why, and what if. But it's not just children who can be gripped by the unknown. Grown ups can also know the disquiet that can accompany the dark and hard times. This truth was made real this past week in our home when my wife and I heard the creak on the stairs about 30 minutes after our children's bedtime. My daughter walked into the kitchen and told us that she was having trouble falling asleep. And then she said it, I just want this sickness to be over. As is so often the case, children give voice to what we haven't said but have been feeling under the surface, under the rocks and rugs of our everyday motions and habits. Mommy and Daddy feel the same way, I said. It's hard. It's really hard. Here's the thing. No matter where you read or listen to the news, no matter who you voted for or will vote for, this is hard by almost every calculus. There is real grief abounding. Most of us have experienced loss in one way or another, I've spoken to a lot of you on the phone, and I've heard about the funerals that you can't attend. I've heard about how hard it is to be at a distance from family and friends. I've heard about the jobs that have ended, and the highly anticipated plans that have been canceled. I've heard about the bills that can't be paid, and the real struggle to make it through the days for one reason or another. I'm not here to minimize these losses. They are real. No matter how significant or insignificant your losses might seem to someone else, I think it's safe to say that we're all going through something right now. Perhaps in a strange way, this makes it both easier and harder to empathize with the particularities of others. Collectively, we're carrying a lot right now, and so it seems only fitting for us to read and reflect on a psalm, on on a heartfelt prayer from Scripture. After all, the, the psalms function as the songbook for our lives. Human emotion in its many varied forms has been preserved, read, and prayed by the people of God for centuries. Many of you have probably heard me say that for the longest time, it would have been considered strange for Christians not to read the Psalms daily. After all, it was in learning to read and pray the Psalms slowly, reflectively, and habitually that one learned how to read and pray through the joys and sorrows of life. Regular reading of the Psalms schools our thoughts and builds a theological grammar both for when the storms come and for when the sun shines. And so, yes, it seems like we could all use some honest reflection and some heartfelt prayer right about now. After all, these are times when our words can be muddy, slow, or hard to get out simply put, we find ourselves traveling a path that is full of unknowns. The lectionary passage for today comes from Psalm 116, and it begins with these words, I love the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me whenever I called upon him. The cords of death entangled me. The grip of the grave took hold of me. I came to grief and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I pray you, save my life. Let's break this down a bit. We quickly find that this psalm is being prayed or written after some kind of terrible ordeal. The language used to describe the plight of the psalmist is raw and frightful, but it begins by naming the psalmist's love of God. And the psalmist says this because God listened in the moments of anguish. In fact, it seems that God's listening was the only thing that prevented the psalmist from complete resignation. At least in hindsight, God was there all along, listening caring and empathizing with the human hurt, the psalmist is convinced of this truth. But make no mistake, the hurt was real. The psalmist writes, the cords of death entangled me, the grip of the grave took hold of me. These two lines are vivid and they form a poetic parallelism. To be entangled and gripped by the grave paints a picture of being pulled toward the dark edges of death. And so the psalmist cried out to God from this darkness, from the fear that felt inescapable and all-encompassing. And from that place of despair, we go on to read, How shall I repay the Lord for all the good things he has done for me? you have freed me from my bonds. I like how one commentator phrases it, you have freed me from the prison that offers no relief. Note how quickly the tone changes. As the passage goes on, the psalmist can now hardly wait to go to the temple and sing a song of joy and celebration before God and others. In fact, you get the idea that this psalm or prayer would have first been uttered after the fact at the temple with the people of God gathered all around. As an aside, I've wondered what it would be like if all of us listening would would bring a prayer to Peachtree when we're finally back together. How would we describe the losses that we've known? How will our praise and gratitude be voiced once the sickness is over. Psalm 116 is a prayer that's written in hindsight. The psalmist had cried out in anguish to God from the bleakness, and somehow and in some way, life was restored from the very grip of the grave. This is a prayer that recalls the perceived hopelessness that somehow found hope. The psalmist writes, exclaims, and sings a song in retrospect. I think that the word retrospect is important for understanding this prayer today. Often in life, we're only able to see and speak clearly in hindsight. When we're in the moment, it can be hard for us to see and think straight, precisely because carrying the moment is, is sometimes all that we can bear. One of the tidbits I found interesting in studying this passage is that some commentators believe that the psalmist is actually talking about having faced a sickness that almost resulted in death. In the words of commentator Robert Alter, quote, this line may be an indication that the speaker has recovered from a near-fatal illness, end quote. I wonder, what does this mean for us? Let me be honest in saying that praying a prayer in hindsight seems hard right now because we're just not there yet. Regardless of what the infection numbers and projections are, we're living in a time when people are still scared and sick. The grip of the grave isn't just hypothetical for many people, even if this grip hasn't reached your house, your neighbors, or mine. Today, we're reading a prayer where everything is seen in the rearview mirror. Health and life have been fully restored. In our passage, the psalmist cannot help but thank God that there is more life to live, love to know, and wonder to behold. But again, this isn't where we are. COVID is still looming in the now. It isn't fully behind us yet. And especially for those who are sick now and for those who are grieving and mourning today, this seems like a prayer being said at the wrong time. But here's the thing. Scripture tells of another time when this psalm was sung, when the fear of the night and the unknown was dominating the scene. It was Passover And Jesus and his disciples gathered in a room to eat and remember the story of the Exodus. The Passover meal reminded that just when the way forward seemed hopeless and impossible, God made a way through the troubled waters. God carved a path out through the barren desert. In Matthew 26, And in Mark chapter 14, we read that after Jesus and his disciples shared in the Last Supper that was the Passover meal, they sang. And what did they sing? In Jewish tradition from then to now, Psalm 113 through Psalm 118 are sung at the Passover meal. These psalms are known as the Hallel Psalms. You can hear the word Hallelujah. In one way or another, these psalms offer praise to God. In this psalm, praise comes as a result of the deliverance of God that we find at the end of this passage. And so it was on the night of Jesus' arrest and betrayal that he lifted a cup with the disciples and then with all likelihood sang the very psalm that we're reading today. Precisely when the darkness The questions and the grip of the grave was so very near. They raised a glass and sang a song of deliverance in a moment when real death and darkness was near. They sang and then they went out into the darkness and the unknown. I think it's fitting for us to ask, why are we reading this psalm in the Easter season? The reason is both simple and profoundly direct. In hindsight, the story of the cords that would bind and bring death to Christ don't get the last word. With the psalm, the Easter account reminds us of a retrospective truth, and one that was also evident in the Passover story and shared memory. In the end, God will have the last say, and it will be a word of unbound hope. The Easter narrative tells us that, though night comes, it will not last. The sun will rise. Easter is both a prospective and retrospective prayer. That is, it goes both forward and backward. It is a song written in hindsight, and it is the song filled with future implications. In the end, Psalm 116 is the right prayer, even when it feels like the wrong time. It's the whisper of hope in the midst of viruses and sicknesses and pain. And yes, it's even a song of hope for those who mourn and weep. To be clear, it does not mock pain or trivialize death. In fact, later in this psalm, it speaks of those who have died, and the perspective is that God, too, grieves at death and human loss. In this psalm, God does not welcome death, even though it is always embraced with unending love. In the words of psalms commentator J. Clinton McCann, quote, the sense is not that God is pleased when faithful believers die, but rather that God finds their death's costly. In the end, both in this psalm and in the Easter story, God hears the cries of the people. God grieves and suffers with humanity, and God actually moves in the midst of it all. It is precisely because of God's listening, grieving, and acting that the psalmist declares lovingly and thankfully, hallelujah, praise be to God. I believe that this Psalm and this season we're in is abounding with lessons if we can read the world with faithfulness, honesty, and courage. I've been deeply moved by an article I read this past week that was written by one of my former professors at Duke Divinity School. Writing in the Wall Street Journal, Cavan Rowe reflected this past week about his wife who is dying in hospice care from a condition that she will not recover from. The article is titled, Dying Gives Us a Chance to Confront Truth. In the piece, he talks about how important it's been for he and his wife to read the Psalms and to sing whenever his wife has breath the words, Lord, have mercy. Moving from their circumstances to ours, he writes, quote, COVID-19 is not a blessing. It is one more obvious, terrible instance of a broken world. But amid all the reasonable concern, we shouldn't lose sight of the deeper cause of our anxiety, our mortal fear, and the unprecedented chance within this life to become fuller, richer, and more joyful human beings. When we accept the truth about our mortality, We can also experience remarkable freedom to take the time to say, I love you, to stop nursing resentments, thinking that forgiveness can wait for another day, to cease pretending that little annoying things matter so much, to pick up our heads and look at the beauty of the world, to examine our beliefs about what really, really counts in life to mend relationships and for those who've never tried it before, even to pray. Rothen goes on to end the article with these words. No sane person would ever give thanks for a pandemic, but if we take the chance it gives us to become truth-tellers, lovers, and reconcilers, we may well wind up giving thanks for what we have become, end quote. These words have been a balm for me, and I think they do well to capture the tenor of this psalm. Even in the face of sickness, we read, sing, and search for beauty. We love, forgive, enjoy, and pray. Read during this season of Easter, Psalm 116 is a reminder that in the end of the end, God will hold us all in a love that does not stop, fail, or disappoint. In so many ways, this psalm is the Christian story wrapped up in an honest song and in a heartfelt prayer. And so let us now share a meal with gratitude, thanksgiving, and love. Let us lift our glasses and then let us also sing from wherever we are in the journey of life. Let us sing from our uncertainty Let us sing even when it's dark. My friends who also want this sickness to be over, know this, it might not be today, but we will get through this season together. And when we do, we will gather, sing and say with the psalmist, hallelujah, after all, This is the Easter hope that still goes before us. And it is hope that instructs us to say, thanks be to God, hallelujah, hallelujah, indeed.